we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Hello, hello, great folks who believe in freedom. This is Dr. Peter Bregan. I'm a physician and a psychiatrist, and I'm on this show uh, every week with my partner. Ginger Bregan. And uh, Ginger and I have an astonishing uh, couple of segments for you today on The Pulse. It's a production of America Out Loud, and it's five days a week at 5 p.m., and this is the second week and it's a stunning array of physicians and scientists. Today, Ginger started to talk to me about something, and this happens a lot, and I just go, oh my God, I didn't get that. And uh, that's one of those uh, days, and I thought maybe she could share this with you so you can get an idea about just how we're thinking about things and how it might be helpful to you. Thanks, Peter. I want to talk today about Yuval Noah Harari. Yuval Noah Harari has been in the news for the last couple of weeks based on some uh, really shocking statements he has made in regards to humankind and how he thinks we're going to, I won't even use the word evolve. Uh, I'll use the word change. Devolve. Yes, devolve. Uh, devolve at the hands of these uh, monsters. But I'm not going to talk about that aspect of what he sees for the future today. I went online in order to research how to pronounce his name. And then I clicked on a link and listened to literally three minutes of a talk of his that he's given. He has many talks on YouTube. YouTube loves him. And uh, what I ended up discovering was his very first comment was that he believes that our ancestors were simply insignificant animals like any other species. He thinks of us all as animals. The second comment was human beings now control the earth. And I thought each of those profound sort of foundational statements to his introductory talk were really wrong. Um, Insignificant animals, I'm not sure that human beings have ever been insignificant animals. Perhaps uh, in evolution, earlier creatures that humans evolved into were, but that's for scientists to figure out. I'm not going to worry about that right now. I also don't find that, I I don't find it appealing at all to consider human beings as animals, because there is a spark of divinity in each of us, a spark of really special spirituality uh, that can be drawn upon or that can be snuffed out. And this individual, uh, Dr. Harari, apparently really looks at uh, snuffing out that spirituality. He doesn't think it exists. He thinks it's, um, it's, Intellectual autism is what I describe it as. Perfect. Uh, Let me explain that just real briefly, not to cast aspersion on uh, people who are diagnosed autistic, 
they uh, they have problems relating to other human beings as other human beings. This is a developmental disorder. They grow up in such a way that at some point, they're just not able to recognize another person. I mean, what, one of the uh, best metaphors I saw for that was uh, from the ver- man who originally did all the work in the field and a man named Canner. And he described how if you are uh, injecting, um, let's say, um, you know, some medicine into the arm of an autistic person um, and, and it hurts them a little bit, they won't look at you with anger. They may hit the syringe. And uh, other examples were that, uh, that they don't see the people in people. They just walk past people as if they're objects, and they may even push a person aside to reach something else they want. So um, listening to Ginger and talking with Ginger over the last couple of nights, I decided that these people may not be uh, autistic in their personal lives. I, I think we need more information than that, and I'm not even interested in pursuing it. But what they're producing is intellectual autism, theories of life and politics and economics and spirituality that leave out human beings. In fact, I would say that they are theories of lifelessness. They leave life out of their theories of the future and human beings. They certainly leave human beings out of it altogether. One of the thing, one of the other things that I realized in looking into this individual was uh, one of the first things Dr. Harari looked at was the past and what we used to be. And he says, and it's true that we all used to be hunter gatherers many, many years ago, I think about 10,000. 10,000 years ago, we used to be hunter-gatherers. And what do hunter-gatherers do? They move from place to place. They carry all of their possessions on their back. They uh, graze for food. They they search for the berries. They search for the uh, greens that are coming out of the ground. Gathering, not grazing. Well, (laughs) (laughs) we're not animals. I graze for fruits, but yes, it's gathering. They gather the the fruits off of the various bushes and they gather the greens out of the earth. And if they're lucky, they find a tuber of some sort that's edible. And if they're really lucky, they're able to uh, bring down some small or larger animal and then have a feast. What Dr. Harari and others who are involved with the World Economic Forum want to do is they want to see us return to hunter-gatherer society. They want us to own nothing, have no personal possessions. They want us to eat bugs and weeds. I've just wrote about that. That's not an exaggeration. And I wrote about that for America Out Loud. It's our last column. And they'd like for us to really get used to eating bugs and weeds and other creatures. I was stunned when you brought that up. uh, And um, you really made me think about a million things at once. And one of the things was how much they want to protect nature rather than us. And I think they just don't want any number of us actually going into pristine nature. So we'll probably be hunting and gathering on the perimeter of nature or in designated human areas for hunting and gathering if we are 
allowed to survive at all. Yes, it's really uh, very thought-provoking to imagine this strange world that is envisioned by the World Economic Forum. I, for one, refuse to comply with that kind of an idea. Oh, and just to drive a point home the other day, on April the 1st, there were several articles that came out talking about how the FDA had just approved um, had just approved a passed a rule that no more meat is going to be allowed, no more real meat is going to be allowed in 2024. I was horrified and went immediately to look for the uh, reference or the end note, and there wasn't one. So I ended up reading to the article, and it said, April Fools, this is just to get you to think about what if this was really happening? It's not yet. Well, I sure did think about it as soon as I saw that, and I know a lot of people did too. I was a little miffed about being uh, being drawn along by the article instead of it just being proposed as a what if, but it was an important point that could happen, and we want to make sure it doesn't. Well, you know, Eval Noah Harari folks really wants to go in the direction of no meat, no choice for meat, real meat, and and so does Klaus Schwab and just a great many others of uh, his ilk. Um, I must say, though, that um, he doesn't expect all of us to become hunter-gatherers. He doesn't expect all of us to survive. They're pretty clear about that. He does expect us, I think, in the majority to live that way, uh, living in some very primitive fashion, that's either doled out by them or, you know, provided uh, for us uh, in the woods. It might even be more like we'll be in a zoo. Oh, no, we're going to be living dioramas. You know, the dioramas that are in museums yeah, where go. you've got uh, the window that you look through and you see the aboriginals and maybe their little fake fire and the little bushes around oh, and their Lord. sleeping area and their pottery in one corner. We're going to be living dioramas and the elite who are left are able to go along and drive past in their in their various uh, Range Rovers, electric, of course, and take a look at the very interesting basic humans who have managed to survive whatever great upheaval is planned for us all that will limit our numbers so drastically. I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking about it, that they, of course, don't plan for themselves to be hunter-gatherers. They don't expect to not eat meat. They don't expect to live this very reduced lifestyle where they don't own anything. They don't even have their own clothes. They rent everything, making them dependent, of course, on the great powers that be. They plan to be superhumans. They're talking about uh, how it's inevitable that they're going to be able to uh, read minds with, with, with technology, how they're going to interface with computers, and we won't be able to tell the difference between ourselves and our personal computers, which will be all wired up to us. And very clear about it, that, that this is going to be a new evolution into a new kind of person. The transhumanism will create a superior person. I, 
Don't know if he has Nietzsche in mind or Hitler in mind, but he is thinking of it technologically without looking at the implications of building this supposedly superior race. And it's very clear as he talks about this, that that's not going to include all of us. Uh, there's not enough technology to go around. And besides, they're not interested. The way they view it is he who gets the technology rules the world. He says it outright in so many different ways. He who has the data rules the world. And of course, he's talking about himself and his brave new world of the World Economic Forum of called Davos, because that's where it's located and holds its uh, annual meetings. Now, how do we avoid this? How, how do we possibly avoid ending up being swept along and uh, either, either involved in a transhumanist kind of an experiment? Or how do we avoid being put in a living diorama off in some corner of the world while we lose most of our fellow human beings? I think that what we must do is we must, first of all, get very real about this. And we have to think about this very seriously and recognize that there are genuine forces in this world that would like to, A, take control of the world and all of its political um, machinery. And then secondly, winnow us down a very great deal which is not going to be a pretty event. It could be done in a number of ways. And there are, there are, the end has been done in numbers of ways in the past by totalitarian groups and dictatorships. I'm very boring at a party because the kind of thing I'm interested in reading often has to do with how horrible human beings have been to each other in the past. And we've been doing some of that kind of reading too. And even in just the 20th century, there have been how many, Peter? Do you remember? Hundreds of millions of people have been killed by people like Stalin and Mao and um, Hitler outside of combat. And many of them, their own people or neighbors, not part of the military. Um, there's just this urge in, in uh, people and and honey, you're not really boring at parties. You're you're just uh, well. I can give an example. We were at a very nice cocktail party. We very rarely get invited to them, and we were sitting around with some friends of ours in a circle. And everybody was asked, "What are you working on now that excites you?" And Ginger says, "Oh, I'm working on my new book." And they say, "What's it called?" My dead friends. Right. You want to stop a party? I mean. <laughs> there was dead silence. Nobody knew what to do with that. And it was a book I was working on at the time. I didn't bring it out. It's not done. But I guess I still have some friends. But uh... it was it's a wonderful book about the importance of human beings before they die and after they die and their place in our lives uh, forever. And the connections we make with each other. The connections we make. And these people don't think about this stuff. You really have to know that the people who are planning for us are not thinking of us as human beings. It is so clear. That's why I think this concept of uh, intellectual autism uh, really helps. They're sitting there with no much more consciousness of us 
than an impaired human being who can't tell the difference between um, a table, a chair, or even a dog and a human being. And that's where they're out at, at some terrible uh, level. We're getting down toward the, the end of this particular segment. I'm glad you got a peek at the kind of uh, things we actually talk about, get to know us, and, and that I find so stunning about Ginger when, I, when she realized that they really are thinking of us as, you know, they're going to make us be hunter-gatherers and make sure we just don't harm the environment. We have to stop them. We have to go back to the basic American principles of freedom. The antidote to this is independent patriotic nations who very much like America used to be, had a really working constitution protecting individual uh, people and a good bill of rights and a good judicial system to protect human rights. We have to revive that in America and we have to really convince other nations. We did, you know, there are dozens of constitutional democracies out there because of our founders in 1776 and thereafter fighting for it. So join the refounding of America. That's what we need to do. You've been in that situation. The person next to you is sniffling, or worse yet, <coughs> coughing. Flu, cold, and SARS-CoV-2 are everywhere. Would you like an additional layer of protection to reduce these threats with an invisible mask? Sold by hundreds of pharmacists and medical doctors, our American-made povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray, Cofix RX, lasts for hours deactivating viruses and germs that make us sick. Find a retailer near you or buy online at cofixrx.com. America Out Loud listeners use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back, great people. I hope you enjoyed that first segment. I, uh, this is Peter Bregan with my partner, Ginger Bregan. Um, I thought she brought such interesting ideas to this whole question of what do they expect of us and what are they going to turn us into? And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, they really don't care about us. We're uh, sort of like sheep in the fields, only uh, without uh, anybody standing up for animal rights. I mean, and not as much value yeah, as the sheep. Definitely not as much value as the sheep. Because, you know, while they're not going to have us eating meat, they're going to be eating meat. That really needs to be emphasized. 
that these people have in mind for themselves continuing to be these elite. Now they are imagining to their own delight, manipulating their brains with computers and becoming part of a, um, a computer interaction that will make them superhuman. And of course, the, you know, the superhuman people usually, you know, they're like the Marxists who want to, who think they're the superhumans over um, mankind. They're like uh, Hitler, another superhuman, another superhuman over mankind. And, and they're not much different than that. Frankly, their language is different. And uh, they are thinking of trying to do this to us gradually and systematically. So it's just going to keep happening to us through their global governance without our ever having to resist them in any dramatic way. I want to just say as an aside, by the way, that they really are ignoring one major factor. And that is once they do succeed in weakening us in the United States of America uh, much further, and we are no longer able to stand up to communist China and compete with them and outdo them economically and militarily, the Chinese communists will create their own empire. They will eat all those global terror, globalists, you know, alive. I was going to call them global terrorists was what they are. But they're going to eat them alive. You know, they're going to pick them out of a, a can, you know, and devour them or turn them into their own slaves or their own experimental subjects. But they don't see that because they don't grasp what's truly going on in the world. They're totally preoccupied with themselves, mostly with their individual selves, but then also organizing themselves uh, for power. So I do hope you found that as, as stimulating as, um, as I did. I want to move on now and talk about um, something entirely different, but so closely related, which is uh, what in the world um, is going on in the Ukraine? What's happening in the Ukraine? And what would that have to do with our work and our research? It has to do <clears throat> with who are the global predators, who are these people and what is their reach? Because what we learned, myself as a physician and Ginger as a medical researcher and journalist and writer working with me, we learned through looking at the medical world about what might be called um, the health domain of the global predators. And we began to realize that there are other domains. I've been immersing myself in the uh, banking domain. And uh, I've always thought about, now we're looking more at the military industrial domain. And all of these have in common planning in a way that exploits humanity. So if you look at what's going on in the Ukraine and what's happening with, uh, with, with uh, Putin and with Volinsky, Zelensky, and you look at what's going on with Zelensky, and you think exploitation by people who know no limits and who control the major domains of life in the world, what is going on there? Remember, very little happens by chance. In fact, I'm going to venture that about the only thing that happened without their anticipating it 
in this invasion by Russia was the amount of resistance put up by the Ukrainians. And the reason they would have underestimated that is they can't think about things like the motives of patriots, the motives of religious people, the motives of families defending their children. They have no concept of human beings, remember. I called it uh, intellectual autism. And um, that's where they're coming from. So I think they missed just how fierce and patriotic the um, Ukrainians can be. One of the first things I did was to look at uh, the pedigree of uh, uh, Zelensky. And I was immediately shocked, but this is something I found again and again and again, that I get a little suspicious and by golly, the person has a connection to the global predators. Zelensky is a devoted member of Klaus Schwab's organization, the World Economic Forum at Davos. He, in 2019, gave a very well-received uh, talk there where he uh, you know, gave allegiance to the uh, woke uh, ideas about climate change and so on. And then he went on to make a plea for the security of his country. He has uh, said that the, his personal inspiration, the person who got him into politics from being a comedian and whatever else he was doing, is Trudeau of Canada. And I uh, sometimes use a picture of him um, looking up at Trudeau. He's a, he's a short, uh, you know, Eastern European Jewish man like myself. I don't know if he identifies with being Jewish. And there he is. He's, you know, he's looking up at, uh, at the lanky uh, Trudeau and admiring him. And we know that Trudeau is one of the great enemies of Western civilization today because of his position, which always reflects exactly what Bill Gates would whisper in his ear um, to tell him what to do to quell the uh, resistance that he's been meeting in, um, in Canada to his oppression. Uh, so that, that, that really surprised me. And then I thought, all right, let's suppose they are glad to make a hero out of Zelensky, which makes me think that maybe some of them did realize that Zelensky could put up a, a serious resistance. At least the Ukrainian pe people could put up a serious resistance. And uh, what could they do to make a hero of him? Because they really, really want heroes. They want very powerful people. On the other side of it, I thought about why would they want to humiliate and defeat Putin? Now, Putin is not a nice guy. He's a violent, destructive, murderous, former KGB uh, person. I would never defend him. But they don't like him and they fear him because he's not a he's not a globalist. He's not a team player. That's exactly it. And the team of globalists demand that. And in fact, in, in their eyes, he probably is very similar to Donald Trump, but just not maybe as big a threat as Trump was. And so when when you see this enormous attack on, on Russia that was totally unexpected in terms of, uh, you know, 
stripping him out of the banking community and uh, assaulting him in many, many other ways. His country, essentially the uh, Russian people, the ones doing the suffering. And from what we can gather, many of them are very unhappy with this invasion. They would go after him for the same reasons they went after Donald Trump. Because the one thing, and Klaus Schwab has written about this, the one thing that could keep globalism from ever fully developing is the existence of patriotic nations. Now, even worse is the existence of a patriotic constitutional democracy, because that will never succumb to globalism. So the real America the America that we want to revive based on constitutional principles, freedom, the Bill of Rights, would never succumb to globalism. Uh, while it's actually been formally uh, adopted by uh, Biden, as we discussed in our last week's show. Uh, one, thing I, uh, uh, one thing I realize is that, of course, there can always be more, more than one good reason to go ahead and launch something or encourage something or nudge something into existence. And I see a couple of other good reasons from a globalist standpoint that all of this is occurring right now. First of all, uh, the Ukrainian-Russia war is an amazing distraction. And it's, of course, it's a tragedy. It's horrendous for the human beings that are experiencing this, all of them, and especially for the Ukrainians. They are the invaded, after all. Um, in addition to that, there are sanctions being brought against Russia now and freezings of bank accounts and that kind of activity that I could see easily being turned and applied domestically in America against what is more and more being defined as a national threat in America, and that is against uh, patriots on the right who, they aren't terrorists, but they're being labeled terrorists, even though they're not violent, simply because nationalism is being redefined as terrorism at this point in time. It's just like what Trudeau is doing in Canada to the truckers. Exactly. And even the people who support the truckers. Exactly. And the way that the bank accounts were seized in Canada, the, the, the bank accounts of the truckers were seized. $10 million was locked down and seized instead of being passed along that had been voluntarily contributed by individuals all over the hemisphere, at least, to the freedom trucking convoys in uh, in Canada. And they also shut down individual bank accounts in Canada. Yes. It's yes. a disaster. So that's going to be more and more of a pattern and a habit. I don't know if that's happened to any of the individuals who have been uh, swept up in the January 6th charges that are being made against people. But and that would be interesting to explore at another time. I'll have to look into that. But I can see it very easily being used very quickly against people that the U.S. government ends up deciding 
are threats of one kind or another, just like at this point in time, individuals thought to be threats or thought to be passing misinformation and so forth are banned and barred from various uh, public squares that are our social media platforms now. I got amazing confirmation of this analysis we're making, and it came from the head of BlackRock, a fellow named Fink, the uh, CEO of BlackRock, which is the largest um, firm, you know, that sells stocks and bonds and does those kinds of things in the world. It's uh, really huge. And uh, Fink is like a major actor among the globalists. And he gave an interview to one of his own people that was broadcast in which he actually said that one of the things they had seen in the response to Russia was how different corporate America and corporations in the world now were, that they were now globally united in fighting this oppressor. And their response was so deep that it was just unexpected how they would get organized around this. Now, that may seem, you know, okay, because, uh, you know, uh, we want to stop Putin. But just think about it. No government decided to to make that huge step. No president, no particular uh, legislature decided that. No, the globalists from America and Europe and the EU and from around the world, they got on some sort of lines and communicated with each other and made this mammoth intervention into that conflict without any any, uh, kind of control by an independent democratic republic. Uh, Actually, that brings a thought to mind, and that is that we need to be on the lookout for any time there's an emergency declaration, for any time there's some international declaration or other kind of uh, uh, a passage of a rule or a law that isn't passed by a nation, that isn't passed by the legislatures, that isn't actually passed by elected officials, that's brought about by some administrator or a number of administrators that make a deal who aren't even elected officials. I think that that can be a real big indicator of oppression in the future because that's exactly what happened in the last two years throughout COVID. And one of the things that I'm very interested in continuing to do is to examine every single way that all the oppression in COVID was launched and then maintained over time, because I think that will teach us about what to look for in the future and then what to resist and what to get get loud about as a uh, Uh, America Out Loud encourages, get loud about any of these oppressions that we see and get loud about how precious freedom is and how precious human beings are. Now, who benefits from the war? It's the big domains. Goes without saying, but it must be said, the military industrial complex, the war domain, makes billions from manufacturing all kinds of weapons, 
that are going to go into the Ukraine, but not just the Ukraine. They're going to go into NATO, who's ginning up more into a warlike stance. It's going to go into nations around the world who are getting excited about, you know, the potential for war developing someplace or another. That group is 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 got to be a major factor. They lobby, they lobby for upcoming wars. They they talk about the importance of them um, with the uh, with the people in the military. They're all in this together. That is well well known now. And of course, decades ago, President Eisenhower in his farewell address talked about that. The bankers, that domain, they've got to be lending money. They're getting lots of money to lend. Now to the people who are manufacturing all kinds of different things. And then when they have to rebuild the infrastructure, they're going to make tons and tons more money. The EU is benefiting. They've gotten more powerful, more unified. This has looked at a glorious moment for the European Union. Look, poor Great Britain, what you're missing out on and moving out here. No more Brexits. We're all heroes here along with Zelensky. This is what's really, really going on, folks. Stuff gets planned. It's not a conspiracy theory. Stuff gets planned. Um, the, The sufferers, all the citizens of the world, they're paying for it with taxes and inflation, especially the citizens of America and, of course, the Ukraine and Russia. But citizens all over the world are paying for this. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Along with a healthy immune system, clean air is vital for optimal health. According to the EPA, we spend 90% of our time indoors, where germs are most concentrated. It's essential to clean indoor air. Genesis is the only technology that quickly, safely, and effectively kills pathogens both in the air and on surfaces in seconds, reducing the viral load in any environment. The powerful, well-built Genesis Fogger produces a dry, ultra-fine mist using HOCL, which occurs naturally in our own immune systems. We'll be living with airborne diseases in the future. New viruses and antibiotic-resistant superbugs are no problem for Genesis. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash outloud. Peter, I think it would really be good if we uh, take a step back, as I've said before, on other topics and look at what kind of experience, especially you have had personally in regards to early transhumanism. The other day, you'll remember, I looked at you and I went, wait a minute, you've been fighting against transhumanism since at least the 70s because of the work you did on stopping psychosurgery, which was beginning to have a resurgence 
in the early, early 70s. Tell us more about that. Um, I think it's very, very important. Um, once again, uh, the entire establishment was backing a resurgence of psychosurgery or psychiatric surgery, which is mutilating the brain for psychiatric purposes. And it's such an accurate definition. Actually, I got it used in courts when I was an expert witness. It's mutilating the brain. Healthy brains. The healthy brain. Now, that's right. That's a real key, healthy brains. You're either mutilating a healthy brain, that's 99% of the time, or you're mutilating an unhealthy brain, but you're just making it worse. Because sometimes they'll say, well, the person has epilepsy, so that's why we'll operate on their brain. So then they're just adding brain mutilation to whatever existing biological problem there may have been. But usually it's all made up and it's totally normal brains they were operating on. And this was part of a very large interest. The uh, government uh, was told by uh, William Sweet, the federal government was told. He also, uh, he also talked to New York State Legislature. Uh, Sweet and his colleagues, uh, he's a head of neurosurgery at the Mass General at the time, arguably the most powerful physician in the world that I was taking on head on going to Boston and talking to newspapers and getting on radio stations and in Boston and giving um, all kinds of uh, press conferences wherever I could about what they were doing and writing articles about it. And um, what I realized was that these people were also connecting what they were doing to physical control of the mind. And a guy, I don't know, I hope you'll remember his name, Ginger, who wrote the book, The Physical Control of the Mind. Delgado. Delgado, way back then, was working with the doctors at Harvard and uh, who eventually did their operating, not at the Mass General, but at the Boston City. He was working with them and he'd written this book all about totalitarianism, sounding exactly uh, like uh, Yuval Noah um, Harari, sounding just like him, saying there is no free will. The, uh, the Bill of Rights and things like that are outmoded by modern science. He's talking in the early 70s. And um, he wrote at one point in this book that the individual might think he's the most important thing in the world, but only to himself. Uh, the individual is not that important. Doesn't this sound, Ginger? I mean, it's, uh, it's it like sounds exactly what Eval uh, yeah. Harari has been saying. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think of that in advance. It's so very, very similar. Now, what they were doing, folks, and just, you know, this would be a little upsetting to hear, but they were putting um, caps on the top of their patients' heads and not letting them know that they were being stimulated with electrodes in their brains. They, they had no, the electrodes had been put in, but they didn't know they were being stimulated while they walked on a ward. And then without even asking their permission, burning out sections of their brain, burning out sections of their brain. And um, one of the things actually turned me into the crusading reformer that I am was one of the first things I learned in the early 70s about what they were doing. They were doing this to little black children as young as age four or five 
on the wards of a segregated institution in Jackson, Mississippi, and it was being done by a neurosurgeon at the University of Mississippi there. I did end up actually stopping his project, as all these projects I'm telling you about, I stopped with a huge four or five year effort and getting lots of help from everybody except anybody in the medical psychiatric establishment. No help at all from there. No help from any organization. In fact, I was fought viciously by the American Psychiatric Association, um, treated a little better by the AMA, given the opportunity to even write a lengthy letter to the AMA, which you know they look through and they vet uh, about exactly what I'm telling you about today and about how um, it was, I think, incidental that they were doing this to black children in Mississippi. But, but uh, that surgeon, O.J. Andy, was in agreement with the Harvard surgeons who said this needed to be done to rioters in the uh, urban centers. People were terrified then legitimately of these terrible uh, burnings and lootings that were going on in inner cities. But the answer was not to declare the leaders, as these men did, to declare them to be uh, basically unfit to be to have their own brains and, and said that they, they could be helped by psychosurgery. This is an important uh, point to bear in mind uh, as we go forward in time and think about the future and people, what people are saying today, as well as looking back in recent history, the way that these procedures were described and the promises that were made were just amazing. This was going to be miraculous surgery. This surgery was kind and it was uh, very humane, and it was going to benefit the individuals. There wasn't, the, they didn't describe this these procedures as it turns out they actually were, or, or in the way that, that you've been describing them, honey. Um, and that's so important to remember, because it's not like we're going to pick up a magazine or look at a blog or read a book and be able to see by the individual's language, oh, hey, that guy's really bad news and we need to stop him right now. Um, the, one of the driest books I've started reading was that by Klaus Schwab. And he has all kinds of plans for us. None of them are good. And, but boy, is his writing boring. So that's something to bear in mind is you aren't going to see it laid out on paper or digitally in the computer as to what is actually the result of being promised and what is actually going to be done in order to arrive at the promised results. Uh, neither of those things are going to be accurately described. And I guess because of our experience in the past of seeing that, it makes us become alert pretty quickly when we start seeing that kind of talk again. Although there is an exception, and that is if you um, listen to the videos by Harari, who essentially says and acts like he's speaking for the new econo the World Economic Forum, for Klaus Schwab, 
It's very, very chilling, as Ginger did suggest in the opening segment where she was talking about him. I mean, what he comes out and says uh, about the dispensability of human beings and how we're going to be ruled by the people who uh, own the data and uh, religions are myths. Yeah, this whole business is uh, this utter lack of treasuring human beings, the other lack of spirituality. There's no way to uh, exaggerate uh, this, whether we're looking at the medical um, domain um, or uh, or the uh, military industrial one or the banking one. They are always draining money from the poor and even from the upper middle classes, from anybody who's below them as the billionaires. And the uh, COVID-19 saw a huge, huge draining of the resources of the American people, the British people, and New Zealand, Australia, and all the rest of the world as well, into the hands of billionaires. The great gaps between the billionaires and the big corporations continued to grow at an outrageous speed because all of this is about the weakening of the uh, uh, world's people, humanity, while there's a huge buildup in the power, the self-glorification and the control exerted by these elite. This is really, really real. Ginger, thoughts? No. <laughs> no thoughts? It's really overwhelming. Okay. I'm sorry. I keep going back to uh, what what's in store for us if we become hunter-gatherers. I can't <laughs> quite get that image out of my head. Well, if we could be genuine hunter-gatherers, we'd have a much shorter life than we do now. We'd live in the average into our 30s. Do you know how much stuff we'd have to get rid of? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Every honey, time. Don't make it easy for us to get rid of our stuff. Believe me. <laughs> okay. Believe me. We will not have to sit and put things in boxes and say we can take one box. We'll, we we get, won't be putting stuff in storage. No, we'll be herded. Yes, that's right. We'll be herded into new situations and treated like a herd. Um, hopefully this scenario is out of our lifespan and that of our children. But it is hard to know the rapidity with which these people and uh, could could get their plans implemented. Well, did we ever did we ever imagine that uh, millions of businesses would be closed within a within a twelve month period, yeah. a twenty four month period, and the and churches it's still and the happening. schools, yes, and then the masks. And then giving children a vaccine. So we've really got to get it together, folks. We really have to decide that God gave us this time to be alive. Every one of us, not an accident, because maybe there are superior plans above all of us. Ginger and I often experience that, that somehow there's stuff we're supposed to do in God's plan. But uh, even setting that aside, this is an opportunity that's very rare in human history. We're a relatively small band of, of a, but significant remnants scattered in the, the constitutional democracies of the world who really grasp these things. Australia, Canada. 
yeah. America, United States. And then also people around the world that we're in touch with, you know, South Africa, we talk, we talk to people there regularly now. Brazil, various European countries. Yeah, yeah. the people are realizing around the world that, that the freedom of the world is enormously threatened. And now for the first time, I see America being respected. It's the first time in decades by people from around the world who are, act are actually grasping, they're actually grasping that if Americans go down, if the America that they've kind of made fun of, the middle America, the patriots, the, the Christians who are the great majority as a Jew, it's very clear to me that really sincere Christians, the great majority of the freedom fighters in America today, that if, that if all these folks go down, that we're going to be in for a very long, treacherous period of time. Very dark period. It could be hundreds, if not thousands of so years. So stand up and, and don't get caught in the gloom today. It's no. very easy. This segment's been very spontaneous on our part. We didn't plan it. So I think maybe we just let ourselves get into the caves a little too much because <laughs> it is really a glorious time for people to stand up for, for what's good in the world. The people we work with around the world are inspired. And inspiring, Peter. And inspiring. Some of the most inspiring people I've ever met have been people that become dear friends and colleagues to you and to us in the last two years. And they appreciate anything people do. I mean, if you go to work, uh, you know, um, electing a decent sheriff, we emphasize sheriffs because they are often elected and they're often very uh, independent Ind people. That is, they are responsive to the uh, public, to the people they believe in, rather than to higher authorities. Um, or work to, uh, you know, take over a school board, or at least get yourself represented there or city council. Work to guard the upcoming elections, become an election uh, supervisor, and really be brave about it. Don't let anybody shove you out of sight of uh, what's going on, like happened again and again and again during the presidential elections. Um, talk to friends, start a book club. Hey, give people our book. COVID-19 and the global predators, more and more we're seeing the book as about the global predators, about what's happening in our world, because as you can see from the war that's going on, and also from our previous show where we talked about how um, the uh, World Health Organization wants to make treaties to take over the health systems of the world, literally, you know, a massive takeover Instead of our worrying about being uh, having socialized medicine imposed on us, you know, if our president or our secretary of state or uh, sign a uh, an agreement doesn't even require a Senate approval in the eyes of the UN or the World Health Organization, and you know they can start to claim under law that they're in charge of our health system, so we need to get going and we need to see the people who are involved in this even as it seems like they're going to be less pushing us about uh, the pandemic, they are leaning on us heavy with the war, heavy with their plans for the World Health Organization. And the banking. And the bankers are always there. The inflation. We'll be talking more about banking later on. Uh, we're going to be talking about everything 
that drains the strength, the freedom, the spirituality of human beings. So if you want to look, well, what's the medical core of, of this way we expand our analysis? The medical core is the human being, the spiritual being, the loving being. It's the biological core of health. They want to take away the greatest impulse to health ever known, which is the impulse to freedom. All creatures, Pavlov recognized this, you know, that mechanistic mind of his, he saw nonetheless that when he tied down these animals and put them in braces and experimented on, they wanted to go free. He said there's a healthy, healthy, knew it was healthy, freedom reflex that lets animals survive in the in the wild. They want their freedom. It helps them survive and be unconstrained. Well, my God, do we ever have a freedom reflex given to us as human beings? Flex your reflexes, folks. Let's get free. Let's work on our freedom. Um, it's a medical necessity for us to be in charge of our own lives more and more, to recapture being Americans. Thank you for listening. Great Thank people. you so much. Have a good day.